Would you go to Luke chapter 12, please? Luke chapter 12. We began some weeks ago talking about the subject of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And I am uh, quite stirred in my spirit about the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but the kingdom of God is more real to me than it used to be. And I'm believing that to just increase and increase. Again, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, I'm scratching my head thinking, why didn't I see how much this was emphasized? You? I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know it. What did Jesus preach? If you've studied it and looked at it, he pre you know, like we said before, a lot of times people say, well, and I've heard people on news programs and stuff say, well, Jesus preached love and acceptance. And that's one thing that got me started down this path. I heard somebody say that again for the umpth time. Jesus preached love and acceptance, love and acceptance. Jesus preached love and acceptance, and they usually say that trying to get you to accept their sin. Acceptance. Jesus preached acceptance. And I heard that for the nth time, and the Lord spoke up. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, he said, no, I didn't. I thought, he didn't? He didn't preach love and acceptance? He is love. And by faith, we're accepted in him, the Bible says. But let's be specific. What did he preach? So I I begin to really get into it and study in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every time it says he preached or taught something, what did he preach? And there is no iffiness or vagueness about it. He preached the kingdom of God. He preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And we have to watch about using those phrases so much until we're familiar with them, but they don't mean anything to us. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Well, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? And here our text is instructions from the master. Luke, the 12th chapter, and verse 31, Luke 12, 31. Well, verse 29, let me read it. Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink or be ye of doubtful mind. You should not worry one moment, much less an hour or a day, about what if you're going to have something to eat or wear or a place to live or your kids are going to have food and provision. Don't seek that. Don't have doubtful thoughts about that. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Now, nations of the world uh, include all the kingdoms of the world. Your father knows that you have need of these things. None of our prayer is informative to God. <laughs> is it? None of it. You can't go to God with a prayer and say, God, i got to have $10,000 by the end of the week. And he goes, what? Where did this happen? Michael, Gabriel, come over. What are we going to do? They gotta have 10,000. No, are you? Never has happened. Never will. You can't surprise him. You can't inform him. That's why it is vain. He warned us against vain repetitions. 
Right? And if you're telling God the same thing about what you need or want for the 90th time, why are you doing it? Case he forgot? Case he didn't understand you the first 30 times? He knew before you ever started. Right? He understood and knew. The psalmist said, there is not a word in my mouth, but Lord, you know it all together. You know the thought before I speak it out. So no, you're supposed to ask, but you're not supposed to beg and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, please God, I got to have it. Please God, I got to have it. That is vain, unbelieving repetitions. And the Lord told us, don't do it. Right? And a lot of what people call prayer is just a protracted worry session. It is. You laid in the bed or you paced the floor and you, I prayed all night last night. You look at them. They got big rings under their eyes and their eyes are bloodshot. I just prayed all night last night. No, you talked to God about the problem. You worried out loud and called it prayer. You weren't informing him. Right? He requires faith. So you let your request be made known unto God. That's fine. But then you believe you receive. Right? And you get in faith. And if you believed you received, what do you do next? If you've received something, what do you do next? You do something. What do I do with all that time in between? Thanksgiving and praise and worship. That's what you do. That's what you do. Now notice, he said, but rather seek ye what? Now we know Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first. So from the lips of the head of the church, the master, what are we supposed to be seeking and putting and seeking to advance first and foremost the rest of this day and tomorrow morning and the rest of the week? What? The kingdom of God. And so many folk don't even know what it is. The kingdom of God. Well, kingdom means king dumb. King, you know what a king is. Not a president, not a prime minister, a sovereign ruler, one who reigns. Dumb is the first part of dominion. And the kingdom is the dominion over which the king reigns. Let me read you some other definitions. One says the territory subject to the rule of the king. Another one says the realm of royal rule. Thayer says it like this, that literally when it says kingdom of God, it literally means this, the kingdom over which God rules. I like another definition. It says the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. Don't you like that? And that's perfectly scriptural because how many remember Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray, our father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. What's next? What? Thy kingdom come. What else? See, the two go hand in hand. 
If God is ruling and reigning over a people, his will is being done in that people. If God is ruling and reigning over a place or the operations and happenings of a place or an institution or whatever, then his will is being manifest in that. Now, is God's will being done everywhere in the earth? Certainly not. If it was, why would he teach us to pray that it would be? Thy will be done. No. And uh, again, it's irritating that people attribute all of the destruction and the chaos and the junk to God. And they try to act wise. Terrible things happen. Destruction and loss. I mean murder and rape and thievery and cruel torture and everything. People say, well... You know, God has his reasons. God's not doing that. He's not a thief. He's not a killer. He's not a destroyer. We've already talked about 2 Corinthians 4.4 refers to the God of this world being Satan. Did you hear me? Well, it's not too hard to see. If Satan's will is being done in a place, then you're seeing his kingdom manifested. Right? But what's God's will? He said, the thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I'm come that you might have life. Woo, glory, life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Actually, literally, it means super abundance. Abundance is more than enough. What's superabundance? More than, more than enough, too much to contain. No, don't you believe it? You know, it, the longer I go, I know I've used the word irritate two or three times, but it does. It just bothers me to see people, especially people that are saved and they love God and they just let the devil destroy their life and they say, well, whatever God wants. And it's not God. Yeah, if it was God, yield to it. Submit to it if it's God, but don't submit to the devil. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. He's no longer anything to you. He should have no say so in your life. That's why you got authority in the name of Jesus. And you can put your foot down and say, no, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. I resist you in the name of Jesus. And what the Bible say he would do? Flee. Said he would flee. Why? You need to be believing and decreeing and acting and demonstrating that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God covers this place. We're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in us and the will of God is done in us. We can't control the whole world outside. But in our stuff and everything that's under our hand should be a part of the kingdom of God where the will of God is done. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud. I'm in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's in me. The will of God God is done in my life, in In every part of my life. life. God's will will is done. done. 
Amen. And that doesn't mean that you believe that anything and everything that happens in the world is the will of God. No, you're smarter than that. The scripture said, don't be unwise. Ephesians, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And don't you thank God for this book. Whereby the will of God is revealed to us. Now, uh, he said, seek ye first, or seek ye the kingdom of God, verse 31, and all these things shall be added to you. This is also the key to getting all of our provision and all of our prosperity. Don't seek the stuff, seek the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. My, my, we don't really have a clue what that means. We're going to find out though. And in the eons to come, we're going to shout, we're going to sing, we're going to, ooh, kingdom. Oh, the kingdom. We're going to rule and reign with him. In the king, we studied last week about how that we're going to be rulers over whole cities in the kingdom of God. This hasn't been real to us like it should be. Remember, he said, you've been faithful in a few things. Now, you're going to be ruler. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And you and I, you do understand you're going to live forever. Not in this body, not down here on the surface of this planet, but you are going to live forever. Now, when that really gets into you, you kind of relax. Because <laughs> you're going to be around from now on. Right? You won't be in such a big hurry. <laughs> and uh, when we realize that we're going to be in a position of authority over entire cities. Cities just as real as Chicago and New York and L.A., Kansas City, St. Louis, Miami. But you will be the kingdom governor over that and maybe another or three or five or ten or twenty cities that will never pass away. They are eternal in the kingdom of God. You're being groomed and I'm being groomed and trained for this in this life. This life is one of the briefest things we'll ever do. It's a flash. It's a vapor. It's here, then it's gone. This is faith school. And the Lord left us some devils to practice on. I say, well, there's stuff in this life you have to deal with. Yeah, well, what do you think? I mean, your loins girt with truth. You got on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got the helmet of salvation on. You got the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit all dressed up and nowhere to go and <laughs> nothing. To, yeah, he left some curse and some little devils to practice on, right, to overcome. How are you going to be an overcomer and you don't have anything to come over? Right? So anything that shows up in your life, you go, oh, this is something else for me to practice my faith on. This is something else for me to prove God's faithfulness in. Look out, here I come. I'm coming over it because he always 
causes me to triumph. And every lesson you learn doesn't end in this life. The Lord gave me some revelation uh, some months back. Uh, One thing that I learned through it was that the things that happen down here carry over into eternity. Some things you and I are doing right now in this service. Any word, any revelation that comes that touches somebody's life so that it's changed, so that it's more kingdom or more the will of God is done and affects their path, that lasts forever. You and I may talk about this service a million years from now. I didn't see how much of the connection there was. But what God does, it is forever, the scripture says. He said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now we talked about in the kingdom, how that, you know, uh, we should be kingdom of God minded. We talked about how the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. We talked about the advancement of the kingdom of God. I want to begin talking about now how the kingdom operates. We have a wealth of revelation knowledge from the mouth of the master himself, the head of the church himself, about how the kingdom operates. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Mark, first of all. Then I think we'll be going to uh, Matthew 20, I believe. Jesus taught in parables. You remember that? And uh, so many times he prefaced his teaching by saying this. How can I explain to you the kingdom of God? Remember him saying things like this? How can I show you and reveal to you the kingdom of God? And then he would say, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. Remember that? It's like a man who did this. It's like someone who did this. It's like a mustard seed. It's like a man who caught a bunch of fish. It's like this. So many of the things that we are familiar with in the word, but we don't see how he started out. We don't remember that. The reason he told it to begin with was to reveal to us, this is a phrase from the scripture, the mysteries of the kingdom. And he told why he told in parables. He said, you know, we're giving the mysteries of the kingdom of God in parables because to some it is given to understand and see it and others it is not. And that's why he taught it the way that he did. It's code. But not code that you have to have a certain IQ or or something to figure out. You just have to be born again. And you have to have a heart for God. And you have to want to see it. And if you do, then God will give you ears to hear it. And there will be enlightenment. If you don't, then it will just go right over your head. And you heard it, but you didn't hear it. You saw it, but you didn't see it. You have to have a heart to receive it. And so he said, the kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of God is like that. Well, notice this. 
Are you in Mark 10? Here is one of these areas where he said what the kingdom of God is like. This man came to Jesus. We call him the rich young ruler. And in verse 17 of Mark 10, he asked him, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And he talked to him about these things. And one thing he said to him in verse 21, Jesus beholding him, loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. Now let's just stop right here. Some have tried to take this and preach and teach that we're not supposed to have any money or any resources and that all money is bad and if you'd listen to the Lord, he'd tell you give all that stuff away and all that money away and don't have any. Well, if you don't have any, how are you going to eat? How are you going to pay your bills? And how are you going to help somebody else? People say, oh, well, you need a little. No, 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 no. Uh-huh, that don't work. <laughs> huh? See, people don't even believe what they say they believe. If you believe that, then practice it. <laughs> well, now, Brother Keith, I don't believe it's always God's will to heal. Well, then you shouldn't always go to the doctor and try to get healed then. <laughs> don't be a hypocrite. If you're thinking it might not be God's will to be healed, don't you dare go to the doctor. Don't you dare take any medicine trying to get out of the will of God. Don't be a hypocrite now. If you believe that, then practice it. I don't believe in all that money and all that stuff. Well, then you ought not have a dollar. Practice what you say you believe. No. Remember Zacchaeus? Hmm? We little man climbed up in the sycamore tree. Well, you remember Jesus went to his house. He got under conviction. He stood up. He said, Lord, I give the half of my goods to the poor. How much? Half. half. And the Lord said, no, no, no. Uh-uh. It's all or nothing. What did he say? He said, salvation is come to this man's house today. Oh, which is it? All or half? Or a quarter? Or three-fourths? You see what we're talking about? No, see, that's not the issue. We see why the Lord told this man this. Because he choked. Didn't he? He choked over his money. Did he ask him to take a vow of poverty? No, he didn't. Did he tell him to forsake all money and never have any again long as he lived? No, 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 no. In fact, he referred to his reaping. He said, if you do it, you're going to have treasure in heaven. Right? And if you read other scriptures, you realize that God meets all of our needs according to his riches in glory. He meets our material earthly needs according to his riches in heaven and in glory. Right? And then that we have an account. And this fruit abounds to our account. 
And a lot of people have added stuff. They looked at that and they said, yeah, you know, give and you'll have riches and you'll have fruit in heaven. And they put a little phrase in there that ain't there, but they put it in there and it goes, where thou canst not touch it till thou diest. That's not in there, and that's not true. You can make withdrawals out of your heavenly account now, here and now. That's how we're supposed to live. We sow, we make deposits. We claim the faith, we make withdrawals. That's how we live. But it's not in an earthly banking system, it's a heavenly system. And our resources there cannot be touched By thief, they cannot be corrupted. They're not touched by depreciation or swings in the economy, a rise and falls of government. They are secure. The only 100% secure investment is into the kingdom. But now he tells him, To do that and come, take up your cross and follow me. How many believe he would have reaped off of that kind of sowing? Would he have reaped both in this life now and in the life to come? There's no question about it. But he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved for he had great possessions. And he thought that that was just too much to turn loose of. Now, we've read this earlier, but Jesus said you cannot serve two masters, right? You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is worldly wealth and riches and resources. And so many times people don't like to look at it, but vast numbers of Christians are serving money. They wouldn't admit it, but they are. I've said it before, but it'll bear repetition. You'll take somebody. God led them to a church. I'm not just talking about just this church, any good church. He led them to a church. He put them in there. They're getting fed. They're growing in their spirit and faith like they never have before. They got friends, real friends, that'll stick with them through anything. And they'll just pull up and move across the country for $5 an hour more. They just leave everything. Not even really seek God. Did you hear me? Then who are they really serving? They're making their life decisions based on a few dollars a day. It happens all the time. People leave this and they do this and they go here and they go there. They wouldn't want to admit it, but their 90% of their decisions are based on their finances. Whether they do it or whether they don't or how they do it, it comes back to money. Now, people are quick to tell somebody like me, oh, now, brother, you ought not do beatings based on money. How about you? Is there a different set of rules for you? See, people think there are. They think, well, you got preacher rules, and then you got us. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. No. It's not anymore right for you just to make all your decisions based on money than it would be for me to do meetings based on money. Now I agree. You ought not do services ought not be based on money. You ought not do anything to try to gear something based on money. 
or accept a meeting or decline a meeting or extend a meeting or anything based on money. Most people would agree, oh, that's right, that's right. But that's true in every area of our lives. Every area. And don't think that you're just immune to all this now. Every time in your life something comes up, you know, Lord help me with this. It's such a subtle thing. The whole world around you operates this way so you don't notice it. Where they go to lunch, what they eat, what they don't, what they buy, what they don't, what car they get, what house they get. So many times people didn't hear from God. It was just based on price. Right? And so what most so many people are led by is whatever's the cheapest right now. That is their leading. Whatever's the cheapest right now, that's how we're led. Well, that ain't being led by God. And that's not letting the kingdom of God rule in your life. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Are y'all with me now? We want the kingdom of God to rule. We want the will of God to rule. We want to retrain ourselves so that we don't ask how much it costs. We don't look to see if it's the most expensive or if it's the cheapest or if it's in between. We want the will of God. Right? It ain't about the cheapest one. It's about the right one. How many know the cheapest one cannot be the right one? And how many know the cheapest one cannot be the cheapest one? You thought it was cheap till you had to take it back and get it fixed five times. Right? And lose all that time and all that effort with the thing. We're looking for the right one. And the right thing. Not the cheapest thing. Not the thing we think we can make the most money on. But spirit led. Kingdom will. Being affected and done. So. You know verse 22. He was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved. For he had great possessions. He made his decision. He looked at Jesus and he said, uh, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. You don't understand. I'm head of five large companies. I've got all these investment accounts. I've got all these people that work for me. I can't just walk away from all that. Is that true? He can't walk away. Is it true? God's talking to some people in this place today. Is it true you can't do it? That's a lie. What should he have said? I choose not to. I won't. It took my daddy and his daddy and all my life to get us where we are financially. We've got all these companies and our net worth and I'm just going to walk away. Well, you shouldn't just walk away. Unless the Lord told you to. Right? And we've already been through that. There is no blanket thing that everybody's supposed to give away everything they've got. If we all do, we wouldn't be able to come have church here next week. No, he never told us to do that. But there are times in your life that he'll put a finger on a specific thing. Won't he? 
And he tells different people different things in their life. And it all boils down to you can't serve two masters. That's what it boils down to. And this man went away grieved and sad. And verse 23, Jesus looked around about and he said to his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches do what? Enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Are y'all believing God with me this morning now? I'm believing for utterance and revelation here. We're already started into it. How do you get in the kingdom? Well, you must be born again. But then also there's advancement in the kingdom. There's entering in to new places in the kingdom. Entering into new dimensions of his will being affected in your life. Greater degrees of your representing him and power manifested in the kingdom. Are there things that will hold you out from entering into these next things? There are. We're looking at one of them right here. He said that riches kept people from entering in. Now, it's not just the money, because look at the next verse, verse 24. The disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for them that what? There's the issue. There's the issue. Them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Decisions are being made in this place today that's going to affect people's entire life, the rest of their life. Whole families. Are you with me now? Whole ministries. Decisions are about to be made and being made. A transition from faith in the world's way to faith in God's kingdom way. He said, how hard it is for them that what? Trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Trusting in what you can do. Trusting in what you see. Trusting in the world's way to make your living, to make your money, to make ends meet, to make it work. That will hold you out. Of operating in the kingdom. It keeps some people completely out. There are people. There are rich people. That on purpose stay away from church. And stay away from God. They are afraid that if they come in. God will ask them to do something like this. (laughs) Or that they'll have to give something. Or they'll have to do. They're so afraid of it. They just stay away. And will be lost. And go to hell. Over what? Over what? And there are people that are born again. Phyllis and I have talked about this. We have seen. I don't know how many times. We have seen people miss the plan of God. Miss the will of God. Over a house. Or a few acres. But we can't leave mama and them. 
Well, this is my house. I lived here all my life. What is your life? It's a vapor. Right? In your heart. You got to be like Abraham and live in a tent. Be ready to go anywhere, anytime, do anything, and anything that you have, your money, your stuff, everything, you're in covenant with God. All that he has is yours. And all that you have is his. He can put his finger on anything you got any time and say, send that over there. Do that. Use this for this. You go, yes, sir, I'll do it right now. But anytime you get to a place where you choke like this man didn't go, oh, oh. Lord, that's my house. Lord, that's, that's my favorite dress. Lord, that's my favorite piece of jewelry. That's an heirloom. Lord, that's all I got is $500. Then what just happened? Hmm? Come on now, according to this, what did he say that people that trusted in these things couldn't turn them loose? What was it hard for them to do? Enter into. What happens is you are just blocked and choked. You can't enter into the kingdom. You can't advance. You're held where you are. You're stopped where you are. This young man didn't see it. But was he on the threshold of such kingdom advancement? What did the Lord tell him? Liquidate. Liquidate. Sow it all. And not just go back to the house and twiddle your thumbs. Come with me. What does that mean? He's going to Jesus' next meeting as part of his team. You read on down here. Peter spoke up after all this. I mean, this was a big deal. He said, Lord, we have left all and followed you. We did it. What about us? That's when Jesus said, verily, I say to you. Man, heaven and earth will pass away, but you can count on this. There is no man, nobody that's ever left a house or a brother or a sister or a father or a mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake. This is talking about kingdom now. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now, we know what would have happened with this rich young ruler because this is right across the column from it. He would receive it when? Now in this time, a hundredfold, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecution and in the world to come, eternal life. What kind of kingdom advancement? Now you think about these twelve. You know what the Lord told them? Later in this, he said, you are going to sit with me In my kingdom on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's not 40 years down here in this curse ridden earth. That's in the ages to come forever in the everlasting kingdom of God. Are you going to choke up over a little money? He did. It happens all the time. Now go with me, please, to the book of uh, Matthew. 
Oh, my. (laughs) People fuss about tithing. Can you see how far that is away from this? So do you have to tithe? No, you don't have to tithe. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do a thing. But there are some folks who know what God has done for them when he bought them with his own blood and wrote their name in the Lamb's book of life and is right now building a place for them in heaven. And there are some folks that love him with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their resources and their stuff and their strength and there's nothing they wouldn't give him and nothing they wouldn't do. I like what Paul said, I would gladly spend and be spent for you. (laughs) And he meant every breath. I'd give you my last breath. I'd give you my last dollar. I'd give you my last. Is that what Jesus did? That's what he did. And that's what it means to be a Christ Diane Christian like him. We must not be preoccupied. With this little natural life down here. Selfish and choked and kept out of the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew. What are you asking us to do, Brother Keith? Nothing. (laughs) I'm telling you. Let's obey God. That's it. Like Mary said to the servants. Whatever he says to you. Do it. And be glad about it. And be quick to do it. Happy to do it. Right? (laughs) Oh boy. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Verse 1. How does it start? For the kingdom of heaven. Is like. It's like this. It's like a man. That's a householder. Now that's. You could also say steward. You could also say manager. Which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. Is there work to be done in the kingdom now? And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day. Now that don't sound like much to us, but it was comparable to the average day's wage today. Whatever it would be. A day's wage. And they agreed on it. Agree implies some negotiation. They said, we'd like to have this. He said, well, I'll pay you this. Well, we'd like this. Well, I'll give you this. And eventually they agreed. Right? They agreed on this penny a day. So basically they had a contract. Because in those days, verbal was stronger than uh, 20 pounds of paper today. Because today it ain't about your integrity. It's about who's got the best lawyers. You got the best lawyers, enough money, you can get out of anything, you know. That's not how we are, though. And he went out about the third hour. So, you know, the guys have already been in the field since six in the morning. These guys standing out here at nine o'clock or something. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said, uh, go to my vineyard. Y'all standing out here not working today, going out there to my fields. Now, now get this. 
And whatever is right, I'll give you. So what do they think they're going to get paid? They don't know. There's no contract. They have no agreement that they're going to get anything. They have his word that he's going to do right by them. So they went out. Now let me add this phrase. By faith. Now the first guys. mm -mm, They have a contract. These guys, they don't know if he's going to give them, in our money today, if he's going to give them 50 cents or if he's going to give them $100. They don't know. They just went out by faith. Now, do you see two different ways of operating? One is by sight. One is by contract. One is by negotiation. The other is by how? By faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things. You have not seen it. You don't know. But they must have had some faith in this man. Mustn't they? That he would do what he said. What did he tell him that he would do? I will do what's right by you. And they must have said, well, you know, so and so, he's a good man. If he said he'd do right by you, he will. Let's go to work. So they went to work. No contract. No guarantee. Somebody say no guarantee. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour. This is 12 noon. This is three in the afternoon. I mean, the day's mostly over. And even at the eleventh hour. I mean, this is late. This is what, five o'clock in the evening? Day's almost over. He went out and found others standing idle. And he said, what you standing out here all day for? Doing nothing, idle. And they said, uh, nobody's hired us. We'd work if we had a job. He said, go to my vineyard. Well, yeah, but it ain't but a couple hours to sundown. Yeah, but go on. Go on and work and whatever is right. That's what you're going to receive. Now let's back up. What is Jesus teaching us about? He said, this is how the kingdom operates. How does it operate? Operates by faith. And so when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said to the steward, call the laborers and give them their hire. How many know the evening of this old world is coming? And the work day of everything laborious is coming to an end. And the Lord's coming back. And there's going to be a reckoning. Is that right? And there's going to be reward given to those that have served him. This is not a fairy tale. This is happening. And it's soon. And he began from the last to the first. He started with the last guys hired that have only been out there for two hours and hardly messed up their clothes. (laughs) Just about time they got started working, it got dark. And they called them all to come in. So when they came, verse 9, that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. Now, again, that don't sound like much to us, but, you know, you put it in $2,005, what's an average day wage for average labor? 
That's what it'd be. So, if it was $50, if it was $100, if it was $200, whatever you want to call it. Let's say it was $200. So, here the guy worked two hours, he gets $100 an hour. And his clothes hardly messed up. <laughs> he looked at it, he thought, wow, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Thanks. And the other guy came in that worked three hours, he got $200. The other guy came in that worked half a day, he got $200. <laughs> Guys came in that worked all day long, they got $200. And they pitched a fit. And they called a union meeting. <laughs> and they said, uh-uh. No, 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 this ain't right. Verse 10. When the first came, they supposed they should have received more. And they likewise received every man opinion. Let's just stop right here. What right did they have to suppose that? None. Oh, they felt like they did. Why? Did they go out in faith? No. They got a contract. They got an agreed on price. Right? See, in the kingdom, faith is rewarded. Oh, come on, come on, come on. In the kingdom, faith is rewarded. Think about the guy standing out there two hours before dark. Why even go out there and get dirty in your mind? You may think, what am I going to get? A nickel? But they went ahead. I said they went ahead and went on out there in faith and got paid the same thing as if they worked all day. Oh, glory to God. Faith gets rewarded. Don't you remember Jesus told him after he used Peter's boat to preach out of? He said, y'all go lay down your nets for a catch. These are professional fishermen. This is the way they make their living. And they said, we fished all night and it's middle of the day and the fish can see it when we throw our nets in. It's not a good time. Side that. We know the fish ain't here. We've been checking all night. He said, go on, throw out your net. Peter said, well, at your word. At your word. This is not talking about specifically teaching and preaching and church services. Fishing is not a church service. People have missed it. This is for your business. This is for your place of work. This is for what you do. The more you can wean yourself off of. And pull yourself off of operating in the world system. And incorporate faith into the way you do business and faith in the way you operate, you're going to open up yourself to kingdom resources. And instead of a little fish, you're going to have a net-breaking, ship-sinking catch. You're going to make more in two hours than somebody made in 12. Come on now. If you can turn loose of the security blanket... Of being able to see it all and figure it all out. It's going to work before you move and have commitments and contracts and everything in place before you make a step. Now let me stop right here. 
And I said, Brother Keith, you're talking about we should just trust people. No, I never said that. Well, we just trust people. I never said trust people. He didn't say trust people. Mr. Yeah, but they said, brother, I'm a Christian brother. Just trust me. Don't. I don't care how many fish signs they got on their car, how many crosses they got around their neck. When they start hollering, I'm a brother. I'm a Christian brother. Just trust me. That's when you want extra paperwork. I'm serious now. I've seen too much junk in these areas. No, he didn't tell you to blindly trust people. No. You trust him. You do what he tells you to do in the matter and trust him. Can you say amen? Amen. And when they received their $200, they murmured against the goodman of the house. And they said, these last have just worked one hour and you made them equal with us. What's the great equalizer? Faith. Faith. We've borne the burden, the heat of the day. We worked all day long and I got so hot. He answered and said to them, friend, I do you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me? We worked it out. Don't you remember you had your union representatives there? Don't you remember you showed it to your lawyers? You agreed to it. That's what you wanted. That's what we guaranteed you. He said, uh, take your penny and get out of here. Go your way. I will give to this last, even as to, he made no apology. He didn't feel like he had to explain a thing. He said, is it against the law for me to do what I want to with my own money? You aggravated with me because I'm good? If I want to give them 200, I'll give them 200. If I want to give them 500, I'll give them 500. But he's not rewarding labor. Oh, come on, come on, come on. He's rewarding faith. It ain't how long you work and how hard you work and how much you sacrifice. It's your faith. Oh, glory to God, glory to God. It is your Faith. Your faith. Your faith. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.